Welcome to Set Free 24-7. My name is Robert, and I am happy to have you along on this journey through the message today. If you are new to the Message Version Bible, welcome. It's a beautiful paraphrase of the Bible written by Eugene Peterson, and we invite you to join us as we share inspiring stories of adversity and the journey to freedom that is found only in Christ. So today our journey begins in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, and the crowd goes wild, cheering and waving palm branches like it's a royal parade. What an amazing moment. Next, we're going to be reading out of Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 16. Paul survives a shipwreck, and on the island of Malta, he gets bitten by a poisonous snake, but somehow remains unharmed. He continues to heal the sick, showing his supernatural powers off, and then leaving the islanders scratching their heads like, what are we seeing here? Then we're going to rewind back to Psalm chapter 46. This psalm declares that even in the midst of chaos and turmoil, God is our refuge and strength. It's like a powerful anthem that reminds us to keep calm and trust in God. And we end today's journey in Leviticus chapter 24 and 25. These chapters cover everything from lighting the menorah to celebrating the year of Jubilee, where debts are forgiven, slaves are set free, and the land gets a much-needed rest. It's like a divine instruction manual with cool rituals and a little time to party. So friends, buckle up and join me on this journey through the message where we'll dive into some epic Bible stories today, some supernatural adventures, and find inspiration in the timeless words of Scripture. Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. And today we have a special guest along with us. Would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Mike Fisk, and I'm just happy to be here. We are happy to have you along this journey through the message today. Sure are. I've been been excited waiting to have Mike on. Good times. So, Heidi, how has your week been? My week has been, it's been really good, actually. It's busy as I'm trying to think of everything that I've done, and that makes me realize it's busy, but it's been really good. We have our favorite race coming up here on Saturday. Yes, We are running in the Amway Riverbank run. And uh, I use running real loosely. (laughs) (laughs) Just a couple years ago, though, uh, when the Riverbank run had to go on an alternate date in October, Mm -hmm. Heidi and I looked at each other and said, what a great place to get married. That's exactly what we did. And that is exactly what we did. Yeah, couldn't think of anything more perfect. Yep, October 23rd, and it was an off year for the riverbank that year. Yes, everything about it was just different, so that seemed to suit us perfectly. (laughs) Did you guys get married there? We did. We mm-hmm. got married right at the finish line of the race. Yep. We <laughs> yep. do things different. So yeah. we did a uh, we did a 10k. So we called it the six mile aisle. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> it was it was absolutely wonderful. So many of our friends are routinely there, anyways, and the race directors are such good friends, and we're excited to share this with us. So. <clears throat> absolutely. So, Mike, how has your week been? Trying, but mm. I manage. You know, mm-hmm. things with the doctors and things not with the doctors. Mm. But, you know, take it one day at a time, I guess. 
And sometimes those things that are out of your control can be the most frustrating. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that whole trust and have faith. Yeah, that those are the times well, you, it gets tested. Well, look at me. Yeah. I am like, here I am. I, I was so convinced that within a couple of days of my surgery, I'm going to be free and clear and good to go. And I'm still four weeks out from even beginning to start using my hand regularly. Yeah. 17 weeks from start to finish. But yay. Archie told me something though. We have a, I have a great physician. So. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Absolutely. The best. Well, I'm going to open up with prayer here real quick. Father God, thanks for giving us this opportunity to just share our hearts and share a little bit about what's inside the Bible Mm. and just hear it in a little different version. Just allow our ears to hear it in a new way and then for it to hit our hearts in a new way. So uh, bless our conversation tonight. Bless the words that we read and uh, whatever listener is out there that just needs a little extra prayer, a little extra pick-me-up, mm-hmm. that's what we're here for. We love hearing ways that we can lift you up. So, Father God, be with us, be with our listeners, and uh, we just hope that this episode is a pleasing offering to you. I ask this all in your holy name. I pray. Amen. 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 All right. So, Heidi... I know. This is going to be very different. Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to be starting out now in Matthew. Yes, I am. Reading chapter... Chapter 21, reading 1 through 11. Perfect. All right. It's called The Royal Welcome. When they neared Jerusalem, having arrived at Bethphage on Mount Olives... Jesus sent two disciples with these instructions. Go over to the village across from you. You'll find a donkey tethered there in her colt with her. Untie her and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, say, the master needs them. He will send them with you. This is the full story of what was sketched earlier by the prophet. Tell Zion's daughter, look, your king's on his way, poised and ready, mounted on a donkey, on a colt full of a pack animal. The disciples went and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They led the donkey and colt out, laid some of their clothes on them, and Jesus mounted. Nearly all the people in the crowd threw their garments down on the road, giving him a royal welcome. Others cut branches from the trees and threw them down as a welcome mat. Crowds went ahead and crowds followed, all of them calling out, Hosanna to David's son. Blessed is he who comes in God's name. Hosanna in the highest heaven. As he made his entrance into Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken. Unnerved, people were asking, what's going on here? Who is this? The parade crowd answered, This is the prophet Jesus, the one from Nazareth in Galilee. I know when you stop to think, he knew every single step of that ride exactly what he was going to. And it just, it absolutely amazes me. Can you imagine being a person from that town that had never heard Jesus's name? Mm -hmm. And now you've got the whole town is going crazy celebrating and it's astonishing what we're gonna hear soon (laughs) there was a very no i'm saying just in this in matthew when we continue reading and you know the next time and to find out how quickly these very same people 
completely changed. Completely turned on him. Yes. Yeah. And yet Jesus knew the whole time he was never leaving Jerusalem alive. He knew. And now I'll be picking back up in Acts chapter 28 and reading verses 1 through 16. Once everyone was accounted for and we realized we had all made it, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The natives went out of their way to be friendly to us. The day was rainy and cold, and we were already soaked to the bone, but they built a huge bonfire and gathered us around it. Paul pitched in and helped. He had gathered up a bundle of sticks, but when he put it on the fire, a venomous snake, roused from its sleepiness by the heat, struck his hand and held on. Seeing the snake hanging from Paul's hand like that, the natives jumped to the conclusion that he was a murderer getting what he deserved. Paul shook the snake off into the fire like it was nothing. They kept expecting him to drop dead, but when it was obvious that he wasn't going to, they jumped to the conclusion that he was a god. The head man in that part of the island was Publius. He took us into his home as his guests, drying us out and putting us up in fine style for the next three days. Publius's father was sick at the time, down with a high fever and dysentery. Paul went to the old man's room, and when he laid hands on him and prayed, the man was healed. Word of the healing got around fast, and soon everyone on the island who was sick came and got healed. We spent a wonderful three months on Malta. They treated us royally, took care of all of our needs, and outfitted us for the rest of the journey. When an Egyptian ship that had wintered there in the harbor prepared to leave for Italy, we got on board. The ship had a carved Gemini for its figurehead, the Heavenly Twins. We put in at Syracuse for three days and then went up the coast to Regium. Two days later, with the wind out of the south, we sailed into the Bay of Naples. We found Christian friends there and stayed with them for a week. And then we came to Rome. Friends in Rome heard that we were on the way and came out to meet us. One group got as far as the Appian Court. Another group met us at three taverns. Emotion-packed meetings, as you can well imagine. Paul, brimming over with praise, led us in prayers of thanksgiving. When we actually entered into Rome, they let Paul live in his own private quarters with a soldier who had been assigned to guard him. And that's the end of our reading in Acts. Did you have it like Paul did? Did you have your own little private space and your personal attendant? I didn't have a private space, no mm. personal attendant. I okay. was, uh, yeah, I mean, I got very personal treating. I had my yep. own personal room for a while, but... <laughs> But no, more like a timeout, though. <laughs> yeah, this was definitely more like a timeout. I, I uh, yeah, I, I couldn't come and go as I pleased. I couldn't just go, hey, I want to go see my homies real quick and mm. have some prayers of Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, that wasn't happening. So, um, yeah, I mean, but still, Paul, mm. like, I don't I don't think he had it easy. I don't think anything that he was doing. Oh, at that his point journey was easy. wasn't. You're still mm -hmm. under guard. Mm -hmm. You still can't go do what you want to. You're still, your movements are controlled. Yeah. I love how he took advantage of his Roman citizenship and his mm -hmm. Jewish citizenship. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Play both cards. You mm-hmm. gotta play the card that, you know, you gotta play the card to stay alive and to so, and to be able to advance. He had one goal is. and he wanted to get to Rome to talk about Jesus. Yep. So he, as a citizen, appealed to the highest levels of government and said, I want to be tried by that. And they had to accommodate that because he was a Roman citizen. The, they wanted to try him in Jerusalem. The Jews did. And Paul's like, nope, I'm a Roman citizen, says right there. So, so what do you think about the natives and what they thought of Paul? Him getting, yeah, him getting bit by the snake. Yeah, see, that's what I was gonna say because he he went from being a, a what a murderer, mm-hmm. a bad guy to, in like the same paragraph, a god. Yeah, it's just it, like how people jump to conclusions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I is you know it's interesting how so much of this culture they they worshipped idols and worshipped false gods and. And all of that. So to them, they would read into that snake biting him. Well, that just proves that he must be some horrible murderer and he deserves this. And instead it turned into a miracle, which then becomes, we want to know where that power comes (laughs) from, which turns into, let me tell you about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's just a beautiful thing. Paul's a, Paul's a smart one. He is a smart one. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And now, for everybody's favorite part, we're going to be rewinding back to the Old Testament. That's right. And Mike is going to read Psalm chapter 46 for us. So uh, we are going to be blessed by his reading. We'll see if I cry. (laughs) Okay. Psalm 46 always. I know. Psalms do it to me. They're powerful. They speak to me. Okay. God is a safe place to hide ready to help when we need him Mm -hmm. we stand fearless at the cliff's edge of doom courageous Mm. in a sea storm an earthquake before the rush and the roar of the ocean the tremors that shift mountains jacob wrestling with god for us god of angel armies protect us Mm. River fountains splash joy, cooling God's city. This sacred haunt of the Most High. God lives here. The streets are safe. <laughs> God at your service. From crack of dawn, godless nations rant and rave. Kings and kingdoms threaten. But earth does everything he says. <laughs> Jacob, wrestling, God fights for us. God of angel armies. Protect us. Oh, man. Attention, all. See the marvels of God. He plants flowers and trees all over the earth. Bands war from pole to pole. Breaks all the weapons across the mm-hmm. knee. Step out of the traffic. Take a long look at me, your high God. Above politics, above everything. Oh, man. <laughs> Jacob wrestling with God. Fights for us, God of angel armies, protect us. Mm. Mm. Did you notice that that was repeated three times in yes. there? So that was saying, like, this God who wrestled with Jacob at one point in his life, this God, this is the same God yeah. that we're calling on, the God of the angel armies. I mean, think about a commander 
in front of just millions and millions of companies All of, them. of angels. The earth itself does exactly as he commands everything. You're going to grow. You're going to bloom. It's going to rain. I love this. And I love that you read that. Were this repeated three times, this last line there, God of angel armies protects us. And I'm like, we have been witness to that in your life. And just hearing you read that over and over, because we've seen that, the protection that he has planted so firmly around you. It's it's just a beautiful thing to see. I was, I was looking up actual angels, you know, because you can go to the store and see a little fat cupid. Oh, no, nothing like that. Mm, mm. Now, now when I look, think of angels, I think of like extreme warriors. Warrior. You know? I mean... We've, we've talked about that before. We how, sure have. Yeah. They're not cute, cuddly, fat little <laughs> toddlers in a, in a linen wrap. I mean, these are fiery warriors. I mean, oh, it is just astonishing. But they're there because God loves us. They're there to protect us and keep his people safe. It is, oh, that was a great chapter. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Do you know, I'm just looking at this right here in like in the chat in verse seven, where it's Jacob wrestling, God fights for us. God of angel armies protects us. But this same God, he's planting flowers and trees. He's banning war. He's breaking weapons. But he is the most feared leader in all the world. But he took the time to make this world beautiful. And I absolutely love, love that we have a God that does that for us. And now I'll be finishing up today here with Leviticus chapter 24 and 25. This is titled Light and Bread. God spoke to Moses. Order the people of Israel to bring you virgin olive oil for light, so that the lamps may be kept burning continually. Aaron is in charge of keeping these lamps burning in front of the curtain that screens the testimony in the tent of meeting from evening to morning, continually before God. This is a perpetual decree down through the generations. Aaron is responsible for keeping the lamps burning continually on that lampstand of pure gold before God. Take fine flour and bake 12 loaves of bread, using about 4 quarts of flour to a loaf. Arrange them in two rows of six each on the table of pure gold before God. Along each row, spread pure incense, marking the bread as a memorial. It is a gift to God. Regularly, every Sabbath, this bread is to be set before God, a perpetual covenantal response from Israel. The bread then goes to Aaron and his sons, who are to eat it in a holy place. It is their most holy share from the gifts to God. This is a perpetual decree. One day the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father went out among the Israelites. A fight broke out in the camp between him and an Israelite. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name of God and cursed. They brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shilomith. 
the daughter of Dibri, of the tribe of Dan. They put him in custody, waiting for God's will to be revealed to them. Then God spoke to Moses, Take the blasphemer outside the camp, have all those who heard him place their hands on his head, and then have the entire congregation stone him. Then tell the Israelites, Anyone who curses God will be held accountable. Anyone who blasphemes the name of God must be put to death. The entire congregation must stone him. It makes no difference whether he is a foreigner or or a native. If he blasphemes the name, he will be put to death. Anyone who hits and kills a fellow human must be put to death. Anyone who kills someone's animal must make it good, a life for a life. Anyone who injures his neighbor will get back the same as he gave, fracture for fracture, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. What he did to hurt that person will be done to him. Anyone who hits and kills an animal must make it good, but whoever hits and kills a fellow human will be put to death. And no double standards. The same rule goes for foreigners and natives. I am God, your God. There's a quick little pause here, and it says, What surprises you about this man, the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father, being stoned to death? Why do you think that God would institute such a stark punishment? Because he's just. He's going to treat everybody the same. Yeah, yeah. he blasphemed and cursed God himself. I think they were in the middle of setting these standards, Mm -hmm. right? Moses then spoke to the people of Israel. They brought the blasphemer outside the camp and stoned him. The people of Israel followed the orders God had given Moses. And that's the end of chapter 24, and I'll be picking up here with 25. I just wanted to say, though, man, stoning. Horrible I mean, way to die. it's a horrible way to die. Can you think, like... I mean, what did they do? Did they tie you up to a pole? Because I would be running around. I mean, I'm well, a runner. The entire you're you're encir- <laughs> encircled. I mean, they are completely around you. But it's horrible on I, both sides. I, I mean, can't think even about imagine. it. Goes against everything in my nature to do that. God's commanding that everybody has to, and that's because it must leave that kind of impression. You know what my takeaway from that is? Mm. How often do we use God's name as a swear word? He's he's pretty blunt we in don't, what he says about that. We don't have enough stones on the earth for all of the blaspheming. But it's I know. very clear when it comes to his name. He's very clear. It is never, ever, ever to be used as anything but reverent. So before I pick up here in Leviticus 25 to end the day, there's a quick pause from Eugene Peterson, and this is titled Sabbath and Worship. So how do we get these Sabbath-keeping rhythms into our lives so that we can work congruently with God, living more in step with Him and His creation? The way we are to do it is to embed Sabbath-keeping in weekly acts of worship. We keep Sabbath best when we enter a place of worship, gather with a congregation, and sing and pray and listen to God. When we walk out of the place of worship, we walk with refreshed eyes and recreated hearts. 
into the world in which we are images of God participating in His creation work. This practice should be so embedded in our lives that even the land, even each one of our places of business, participates in this joyous, life-giving rest. So go to church. So go to church. (laughs) City church is pretty awesome. Get you some community is what that's saying. Because it's, you know, iron sharpens iron, right, Mike? Yeah. And uh, take church with you. Don't once once you're done with it for whatever the sure a lot of time hour and a half whatever it is don't just be like now that it's done okay Mm. bring it with you that's that's the only thing that keeps me sane throughout the week Uh. you know uh well some other things too praying but (laughs) (laughs) no but I get it it's uh it's just those opportunities to Mm. just be a little bit of Jesus to somebody without being preachy to them right yeah. So I got a question for you. The twenty dollars, which turned into sixty, do you? Which turned into more than that? Seventy. Seventy. Okay. So wow. I'm going to give this a little bit of backstory here, and then we'll go right into twenty five. So at Central Bible Ministries, we do a thing. I don't know. It's been every week now for yeah. the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but you know, our pastor says, you know, hey, I got twenty bucks here. And I just want you to go bless somebody with it and then come back with a story and encourage them possibly to bless someone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, Heidi did it one week and we got a fun story about oh, that. We yeah. actually saw the lady again today. today. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, just a couple days ago on Monday, uh, John had the $20 bill out and Mike, I could I could tell you were ready. You had a plan for this yeah. 20 mm-hmm. So tell what happened even before the end of the night. I, well, see, like I had a plan, but you know, God had a plan too. I guess you sure. know, I uh, I accepted the twenty dollars. I already had in mind who I wanted to give it to. Uh, my buddy called me, who I call my son, and I told him what I was going to do with it. And he says, "Well, I got twenty dollars." Oh. Then my eavesdropping buddy in the back, I'm like, <laughs> he says, "Who's the twenty dollars for?" And we had to keep it down because that person was in the room. Sure. And so he was like, well, I got 20. So that 20 turned to 60. And when I got back, I have this change drawer for like the transit. I'm like, man, 70 would be a good number. And I had exactly, you know, a little bit over the mm-hmm. 70, but I wanted yep. to keep it at seven because I like the number seven. Mm-hmm. 70 so, is a special number in the Bible too. So we presented them this $70 and... The Jesus carving. Oh, uh, what did he think of that? He loves it. Okay. He loves it a lot. Oh. And and so this man, if I uh, just, if I remember right, he was just getting his apartment. Yeah. He was kind of in transitional housing right now. He just got his uh, voucher to get an apartment. Yeah, and he, yeah, he got his voucher, you know, and plus he has a little bit of funding to help with. Yep. Wonderful. Because he really didn't have like pots, pans, towels. I mean, he's coming from a very transitional place into now his house, but it's not like he's carrying a couch and a, you know, and all this other stuff with him. He's kind of like starting out from scratch. And you know, he he did ask me where it came from, and I said, "God." Mm-hmm. I don't want to one per one person specific or whoever did it. Sure. Just God I, provided. I asked him just just to accept it, and he said, "Okay." You know, he trusts me enough to say, "Okay." Yep. So oh. it was awesome. Good. What? Good. How did that make you feel to give that to him and to see how 
it multiplied. Like it started out at 20, but now it ends at 70. Mm. It felt pretty good. I ain't gonna lie. It felt great. I, I don't do a lot, oh. whole lot of, I haven't done a whole lot of good lately in the past, but mm. that just to do something, uh, it's not selfish. is awesome. It's outside of yourself, right? It is. Yeah. I'm not going to make it through without it. <laughs> <laughs> and as long as we're on this story here, I mean, Heidi, today we saw Chris, who yes. you gave the $20 to just a couple weeks ago. I did. Totally. And tell that story because, I mean, it's so God. Oh, man. So, again, it's Thursday and that's our shopping day for David's house. As I turned a corner, I looked up and saw that Chris, this beautiful, little bit older than me woman, just beaming and so excited that she saw me. She goes, you're here. And she's all excited and give her a hug. And I had this whole weird situation because there was somebody that needed some photo. It was just a weird situation going on. But Having that moment with her to catch up and sharing with what she did with the $20 and then to find out that there is a connection to another church that we attend on Sunday nights where her brother is a pastor, that blew my mind. But what surprised me the most is that she shouldn't have been there. And she shared with me how her husband just last night could not fall asleep, and finally just looked at her and said, Chris, we're supposed to be flying to Colorado tomorrow, but he says, I can't explain it at all. But he goes, God has just laid it on me that we are not to get on that plane and we are not to go there. I don't know why. I have no reason for it. And she's like, I'm really disappointed. My daughter's there. But she said, we have this agreement that we trust God in their house. Her daughter calls early this morning and just said, Mom, I'm not sure what this is all about or why I feel this way, but she goes, I don't feel at ease about you getting on a plane and flying out to Colorado today. I just don't feel like it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I hate saying it because she goes, I want to see you. And Chris is like, I just burst into tears because it was confirmation. God didn't just tell her husband and her, you know, her daughter called without knowing that and said the same thing. So long story short, I got to see Chris this morning when she should have been on a plane flying to Colorado. It was amazing. And she was so excited to share. I hope everybody else on that plane is okay. Like, I, I hope nothing like major happened. I, I haven't heard anything on the news, but. I have not heard anything either. Well, and and I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? And, and who knows? It could have been something completely different. But and to we'll have never that... know because they did not get on. They right. they listened. They listened. It's called faith. It's and obedience, yeah, right? Because like, she wanted to go badly, badly to see her daughter and grandkids. But I guess seeing you was more important. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. I know that's a lot of pressure. Oh. <laughs> I hope I made it worth it. It's a lot of weight. Okay, on that okay, note. Back to yeah, on that note, we're going to head back to Leviticus. <laughs> God spoke to Moses. Oh, here we go. Leviticus chapter 25. This is called The Land Will Observe a Sabbath to God. God spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai. Speak to the people of Israel. Tell them. 
When you enter the land which I am going to give you, the land will observe a Sabbath to God. Sow your fields, prune your vineyards, and take in your harvest for six years. But on that seventh year, the land will take a Sabbath of complete and total rest, a Sabbath to God. You will not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Don't reap what grows of itself. Don't harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land gets a year of complete and total rest. But you can eat from what the land volunteers during that Sabbath year. You and your men and women servants, your hired hands, and the foreigners who live in the country, and, of course, also your livestock and the wild animals in the land can eat from it. Whatever the land volunteers of itself can be eaten. Count off seven Sabbaths of years, seven times seven years. Seven Sabbaths of years adds up to 49 years. Then sound loud blasts on the ram's horn on the tenth day of the seventh month, the Day of Atonement. Sound the ram's horn all over the land. Sanctify the fiftieth year. Make it a holy year. Proclaim freedom all over the land to everyone who lives in it, a jubilee for you. Each person will go back to his family's property and reunite with his extended family. The 50th year is your jubilee year. Don't sow. Don't reap what volunteers itself in the fields. Don't harvest the untended vines because it's the jubilee and a holy year for you. You're permitted to eat whatever volunteers itself in the fields. In this year of Jubilee, everyone returns home to his family property. If you sell or buy property from one of your countrymen, don't cheat him. Calculate the purchase price on the basis of the number of years since the Jubilee. He is obliged to set the sale price on the basis of the number of harvests that are remaining until the next Jubilee. The more years that are left, the more money. You can raise the price. But the fewer years left, the less money. Decrease the price. What you are buying and selling, in fact, is the number of crops that you are going to harvest. Don't cheat each other. Fear your God. I am God. Your God. Keep my decrees and observe my laws and you will live secure in the land. The land will yield its fruit. You will have all you can eat and will live safe and secure. Do I hear you ask, what are we going to eat in the seventh year if we don't plant or harvest? I assure you, I will send such a blessing in that sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. While you plant in the eighth year, you will eat from the old crop and continue until the harvest of the ninth year comes in. The land cannot be sold permanently because the land is mine. And you are foreigners. You are my tenants. You must provide for the right of redemption for any of the land that you own. If one of your brothers becomes poor and has to sell any of his land, his nearest relative is to come and buy back what his brother sold. If a man has no one to redeem it, but later prospers and earns enough for its redemption, he is to calculate the value since he sold it and refund the balance back to the man to whom he sold it. 
he can then go back to his own land. If he doesn't get together enough money to repay him, what he sold remains in the possession of the buyer until the year of Jubilee. In the Jubilee, it will be returned and he can go back and live on his land. If a man sells a house in a walled city, he retains the right to buy it back for a full year after the sale. At any time during that year, he can redeem it. But if it is not redeemed before the full year has passed, it becomes the permanent possession of the buyer and his descendants. It is not returned in the Jubilee. However, houses in the unwalled villages are treated the same as fields. They can be redeemed and have to be returned at the Jubilee. As to the Levitical cities, houses in the cities owned by the Levites are always subject to redemption. Levitical property is always redeemable if it is sold in a town that they hold and reverts to them in the Jubilee, because the houses in the towns of the Levites are their property among the people of Israel. The pastures belonging to their cities may not be sold. They are their permanent possession. If one of your brothers becomes indigent and cannot support himself, help him, the same as you would a foreigner or a guest so that he can continue to live in your neighborhood. Don't gouge him with interest charges. Out of reverence for your God, help your brother to continue to live with you in the neighborhood. Don't take advantage of his plight by running up big interest charges on his loans, and don't give him food for profit. I am your God who brought you out of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. If one of your brothers becomes indigent and has to sell himself to you, don't make him work as a slave. Treat him as a hired hand or a guest among you. He will work for you until the Jubilee after which he and his children are free to go back to his clan and his ancestral land. Because the people of Israel are my servants whom I brought out of Egypt, they must never be sold as slaves. Don't tyrannize them. Fear your God. The male and female slaves which you have are to come from the surrounding nations. You are permitted to buy slaves from them. You may also buy the children of foreign workers who are living among you temporarily from their clans which are living among you and have been born in your land. They become your property. You may will them to your children as property and make them slaves for life, but you must not tyrannize your brother Israelites. If a foreigner or temporary resident among you becomes rich and one of your brothers becomes poor and sells himself to the foreigner who lives among you, or to a member of the foreigner's clan, he still has the right of redemption after he has sold himself. One of his relatives may buy him back. An uncle or cousin, or any close relative of his extended family, may redeem him. Or, if he gets the money together, he can redeem himself. What happens then is that he and his owner count out the time from the year he sold himself to the year of Jubilee. The buyback price is set according to the wages of a hired hand for that number of years. If many years remain before the Jubilee, he must pay back a larger share of his purchase price. But if only a few years remain until the Jubilee, he is to calculate his redemption price accordingly. He is to be treated as a man hired from year to year. You must make sure 
that his owner does not tyrannize him. If he is not redeemed in any of these ways, he goes free in the year of jubilee, he and his children, because the people of Israel are my servants, my servants whom I brought out of Egypt. I am God, your God. And that, my friends, is the end of Leviticus 26. I'm glad I'm a New Testament girl. But... Thank but, you, Jesus. But that really does go to show just how he's intricately involved in Very all so. of these and wants to make sure that there's order. And nobody was ever permanently in, enslaved or indebted to somebody that year of Jubilee. They automatically got to return to their land, their home, and they were free again. Mike, have you ever heard of the year of Jubilee before? No, but <clears throat> it's kind of my little mind put together. So kind of like a week, work six days, except work six years. The seventh year is the Jubilee year. Mm-hmm. You give the land a break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I guess kind of how I understood it. Yes. And then on the 50th year, so this is. So they do this seven times, right? So that's what it was like, 49. On that 50th year, they're saying, even if you, let's say you got broke, like on year 35 and you had to sell a bunch of your land, um, Mm -hmm. then so you go without it basically for 15 years, but then on the year of Jubilee, it would be given back to you. You would be redeemed. You would get your property back. Family property always stayed in that family, in you know, under that system. And what it did is it prevented people from becoming super rich while other ones stayed enslaved forever. It it kept a healthy balance in community and provided and allowed for people to have a job, to provide for their family, to do what they needed to do without that servanthood or slave, however you want to call right. it. Um, it. It would never be a permanent status it wouldn't pass on to your children and and all of that you would be freed from that again so there's a beautiful freedom that would eventually be found also do you feel like you are in a season of jubilee where some things are maybe being restored to you oh maybe. yeah 100% you know new walk new opportunities mm-hmm. new people uh, new people you know i'm not always thinking about is this person out to get me what are they trying to get from me and cuz after you do some time everybody in the joint everybody in the joint's got an angle right. it seems like everybody you know now you're always wondering like why are you doing this like you can't just accept like oh here's here's some food You're like, okay, well, what is that going to cost me? Or, you know, I mean, seriously. Yeah. And, yeah. I've been chatting with some really good fellas all week, you know. It's awesome. Last night, I just, one by one, I went and started checking in with each of them Mm -hmm. Mm. while I hung out with the old people. I love it. I love it. And I love the idea that this is like a jubilee for you. Because all these people that were not home 
got to come home and I feel like God brought you home. And I, in my mind, I love the analogy of that. You're on this journey. It's a, it's mm -hmm. a journey, but it's a, you're on a new little pit stop, right? (laughs) Like, oh yeah. Checking things out. And, uh, I know some of this is new to you. Mm -hmm. Some of this is new to us still. And, uh, but we know that we're on a better path today than where oh. we were years ago or even a year and a half ago. Wouldn't so. trade this for anything. No. Mm-mm. This was good. Thank you, Mike, so much for being part we of this. You. Kind, kind, kind of like that question you asked me mm. right before we went into the ministry about the money. Would mm. I rather have, I forgot how much money it was. Oh, so here, here's a fun little question for, for everybody, right? So we'll just, we'll put this out there. So, um, I heard this thing the other day and it was like, uh, this guy asked this couple, he said, Hey, if I gave you a million dollars right now, would you be happy? Would you be excited? Would you be, you know, like, Oh man, you can go spend it on whatever. There's no conditions. You got a million bucks. Have at it. And they were like, Oh yeah. You know, Oh, this would be so great. And you could see they're like, they're smiling. They're like, Oh yeah, we could go do this vacation. Go do that. You know? Uh, talking about all this, he says, okay. He said, uh, how about I give you a hundred million, but you can't wake up tomorrow. That's the condition. You're not going to wake up tomorrow. This hundred million. And they both stopped dead in their tracks. And they were like, no, no. Like we, we want to wake up tomorrow. He said, so waking up is worth a hundred million. <laughs> It's a powerful stop you in your tracks to think about it. We take it for granted. And I presented that to Mike the other day and I could see the wheels turn and like, he was like, Oh no, but you were instantly, (laughs) you were like, no, I want to live. I don't care about that dollar. Like, I don't care about the dollar sign. Like I just want to live. It's a beautiful place to be. It is. When you realize that all of the, distractions let's say money drugs whatever you know all that stuff just any distractions job status none of it is worth more Mm-mm. than waking up tomorrow nope. it's not so life feels better when you put value on the things that truly have value truth mm-hmm. truth truth a lot of people put money in value or value in money you know and i actually mm-hmm. did i hear people Money is the root of all evil. Well, I read it, and that's not what it says. That's yeah, true. It says it money say money is the root of all kinds of evil. Mm, yes. yes. You know, and me and money in the past, well, it's been pretty evil, <laughs> you know. And now I, that's that's not – that's my, my, my value, my riches is actually in my friends. Well, God, mm. my friends. You know, people that truly do have my best, best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I, uh, so Mike and I met, he got baptized on Easter, Easter Easter Sunday. (laughs) And, um, and he shared part of his testimony in the tank and that'll be for another episode. But, um, we instantly, like after I heard him talk, I was like, I got to go talk to this dude and I got to give him my phone number. Tell tell the truth. It was the hat. It was the hat. Yeah. Yeah. He's wearing a fedora. So, I mean, I I'm like, this dude gets it. Yeah, you know? Robert just, he elbows me. He's like, yeah, that one's mine. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and uh, so I give him my phone number. And the thing that impressed me the most about you, because uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't chase people. 
No, you know what I mean? Like, I'll be your friend. I'll be here to help you out. I'll, I'll do whatever I can, but I don't chase people. But you checked in with me every single day. day. Every day. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Every day. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah. And it was I, amazing. And I'm like, this is good. You know what I mean? Because I can tell, like, you want something different. I see it in you. I see it in your eyes. I see it in your heart, your spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love doing that men's event. We went up to a thing called The Forge this last weekend, oh, yeah. and that was great. It was with a bunch of men from our church and just had a great time, like, beating this railroad spike man, into a knife. Submission. And Mike made this beautiful <laughs> knife. Oh, it is. I made Absolutely a cleaver. Beautiful. I named it Ward. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. Yeah, no, you've been doing all the things right. And like hearing mm-hmm. you say just now, you know, man, last night I just went down my list and just checked in with guys. Yeah. That's the absolute right thing to do. I'm sure Stan didn't need checking in, but, you know, he was there. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. Was. He's a great man. Ke- Ke- man. I checked in with Kevin. You know, yep. I told him I'm going to try to pick, put a little piece of my testimony together and email it to him. Yeah. Oh. I'd love it. That way he can he can know that kind of what was going on through my head while I was doing the foraging. Yeah. Aww. If I can help you with that, my friend, I would love to Absolutely. love to help you with that. So Mike has oh. been on a journey. Listen, we all mm. need some prayer. Uh if you want to shoot Mike some prayers, uh, I'm sure he would love that little hedge of protection around his life. We need prayer. Yes. We and do. because we all need prayer, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and guess. You need prayer. That's right. The listener. That's right. You, that that person right now, wherever you are, I guarantee there's something that you might need a little bit of prayer for. And, you know, you don't have to blast it out on social media if it's something private. But if you want to get a hold of us, if you want some prayer warriors to come alongside of you and lift you up or just share a little bit of that burden, because once you get it out, and you put it out there, it doesn't have the same power over you. It's putting it out in the light. And uh, so I would just encourage you, if you need prayer today, feel free to drop it down in the comments. Uh, Feel free to hit us up with a private message. We have a Facebook group. There's a link down in the comments for that as well. Uh, Feel free to join that and just join the conversation. Uh, You know, if there's things in this version that you didn't quite understand, or maybe you have questions about something, We don't claim to know it all, but we will try to find the answer. Yes, we will. And feel free to join us at the Riverbank Run this weekend. Ooh, yeah, Riverbank Run. strike that because you're not going to be able to do that because it'll be done. So, Robert, strike that. (laughs) I guess I'm struck. (laughs) I'm struck. With a rock. And on that note, friends, we are going to end this journey through the message. It has been great. Mike, I appreciate you being on today. I appreciate being here and I hope to be here again soon. Absolutely. We hope that you are here soon and uh, we'd love to hear more of your story. And yeah, Mm -hmm. just know that you are covered in prayer, my friend. So every day. I appreciate and love it. All right, friends. uh, Thank you so much. Give this episode a like, a share, maybe a quick prayer. And we will see you next time on a journey through the message. Bye. Wow, that was another action-packed day in the Bible. 
We are ending today with some questions to think about this week, and we would love to hear your thoughts. Drop your answers down below. So we have one question for each passage that we read through today. The first one was out of Matthew chapter 21. If you were in the crowd welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem, what creative ways would you express your excitement and celebration? Again, if you were in the crowd welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem, what creative way would you express your excitement and celebration? Next, we have Acts, and that was chapter 28. Imagine that if you were on the island of Malta when Paul was there, how would you react to witnessing Paul's supernatural healing abilities? And what about seeing him bitten by a poisonous snake and then surviving? What, how, how would you process that? Next, we have the third question is in Psalm chapter 46. So in times of chaos or uncertainty, how do you personally find strength and comfort in God as your refuge? Again, in those times of chaos and uncertainty, how is God speaking to you? How do you find strength in him? And lastly, last question here out of Leviticus chapter 24 and 25, the year of Jubilee was a time of liberation and restoration. If you could implement a similar concept in today's world, how would you envision it bringing justice and renewal to our society? So think about that. The year of Jubilee, that's when every everybody was getting everything back. Debts were forgiven. People would get their stuff back, their houses back, freedom back. So if you could implement something similar in today's world, how would you envision it bringing justice and renewal to our society here today? So we would love to hear your thoughts. Join the Facebook group. We have a link down below. Keep the discussion going or just drop your comments down below in the comment section. This journey isn't meant to be done alone. And we are thrilled that you chose to spend a few minutes of your day with us. Now, as we are growing our podcast, a free way that you can support us is by hitting that like button, sharing this episode with a friend if it's been a blessing to you. We appreciate that so much. So, friends, thank you. We will see you next week as we continue our journey through the message.